Hey everybody, this is Savage Gentleman. We are live here with a special guest, Mark Ripito. This is off schedule, but he was breezing through town, so we thought we'd bring him in and have a chat. You know, this is really good coffee. You like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where, where did that thanks, coffee come from? Thanks for from? the shameless plug. I, 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 don't, I got it at McDonald's. On oh, the yeah. that's good stuff there. <laughs> it is. But it's in it a... Some tasty stuff, guys. In a black rifle mug. Some, well, look at that. How about that? Black Rifle Coffee, the Who famous knew? Black Rifle Coffee. Who knew? People, you guys have any idea how big this facility is for the coffee company? These guys are serious now, and uh, you need to give some serious thought placing an order today. And they didn't ask me to say that. I'm not, just, I'm just telling you, this is a big, these guys, this is a big deal, and they're just <laughs> getting started. So give some thought to placing an order. Order T-shirts, coffee cups. That's a cool mug. And, uh, you know, support the cause here. Well, there thank you. you. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, today. yeah. So, Mark, we're, we're going over the current state of manliness because you have some, some thoughts and opinions about that. And here on Savage Gentlemen, you know, being a man in general is something that, that we find relatively important. Well, I've, you know, got some thoughts on that. We've, uh, this, this comes up in conversations uh, all the time, both at our... Uh, seminars and uh, various other podcasts with other other people I've done. Uh, I think everybody that is uh, that is watching us right now uh, is aware of the fact that the perception of manliness has changed quite a bit over the past 50 years. And at this point, masculinity as it is understood by the three of us and by the vast majority of you, unless you're just trolling the podcast, <laughs> uh, masculinity has been become regarded as toxic. Yeah. And in fact, the term is used in association with masculinity by people on the left. Toxic masculinity, we're all familiar with that. That'd be a great t-shirt. Yes. Toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. So masculine, toxic, I'm toxic. Toxically masculine. Damn. Toxically masculine. Hey. Patent pending. Don't, uh, you can go yeah, with We're going to trademark that. You, yeah, guys, you guys run with that. But <laughs> the, uh, the idea uh, apparently is that, uh, here's my overarching analysis of this whole bizarre cultural strangeness we find ourselves in right now. And, and as an aside, I think that those of us at the table here and probably the vast majority of you guys who are tuned into a podcast like this, we may be overly sensitive to this because we read Drudge and Instapundit and, and uh, are constantly reminded just through our own contact with news and social media of uh, the extent to which the left has permeated the media. Yeah. The left has not really permeated American society to the extent that the left would like mm. you to believe that the left has permeated yeah, American society. Yeah, no, it's a big, big lie. It's it? kind of disproportionate. It's, it's, it's a giant lie, and we're all hypersensitive to sure. it because we read about it all the time, and we do podcasts like this and talk about it. Yep. Yeah. Right? So, so we may not actually have a, an objective handle on this, but... <laughs> but... That having been said, let me. I think I speak for all three of us when I when I tell you that we understand that you're offended 
right? We understand that you have chosen to be offended. We just don't understand why that matters. It's pretty simply put. <laughs> I think it's so that, I think pretty concise. I, I think that's the end of the show. You yeah, there we go. That wraps it the whole, <laughs> wraps it all the way up. The, it, yeah. Okay, now, so. And, and let's be clear. You have chosen to be offended. If you're offended, you have chosen to take offense. Okay? Unless I hit you in the face. If you are offended by anything I say or do, it is your decision. You're in charge of your central nervous system, not me, hon. And if you want to be offended, you go right ahead, but don't expect me to care. Man, that was savage. You are, in fact, hey, a savage gentleman, a savage sir. Gentleman. I, so, so I before we go too far, mm -hmm. we've got, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, this is a spur of the moment because we just couldn't resist the, the opportunity to get on here and rant. Mark, for the guys that are out there that don't know who you are. Shame on you. Who, well, who are you and why does your, why does your opinion matter? My opinion matters. Uh, for the simple reason that it seems to be correct most of the time. I am the author of Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training. That is sold? Uh, that is sold in excess of a half million copies. I'd, I'd hate to say a more specific number than that, but we've sold more than a half million copies of that book. Not bad. We uh, uh, published it in 2005. Sales have gone up every month since. And uh, it's... Uh, it's made a lot of difference in a lot of people's training, and uh, we've had a lot of positive comments. And of course, anytime you do something correct, there are going to be people that criticize it. And that's, you guys run into the same thing yourselves. Uh, what's absent from the criticism of our methods and our products are the logic and analysis that must go along with an effective criticism. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have yet to see that. But and, what, what, and what Mark's not saying, though, is he's probably one of the top barbell instructors. When we talk about building strength, he's probably in the top, I don't know, few barbell coaches that exist on planet Earth. So when you talk about Olympic lifts and the squat specifically, he, he's the guy that literally, I mean, the majority of the world looks towards to say, okay, Mark, how do I do this? He is the properly? guy, basically. Well, well, I'm the guy that they want to argue with. All right. I'm, I'm the guy they want to argue with. Which, and I'll be glad to do that. It's just that they don't seem to understand the nature of and, the argument. And, and the, only, the only, you know, and I forgot to bring my copy of the book in today, but the only thing I didn't like about your book was the title. Because I found it so incredibly in-depth, and there's so much information there that it was like, no, this should be, you should call it like the in-depth encyclopedia of barbell training. Oh, that cuts down on sales, because <laughs> it intimidates people. Uh, when we started the thing off, the first edition of, of Starting Strength that was published back in 2005 was rather remedial in, in its uh, approach. It was, there was a little bit of analysis. Uh, but it was primarily an instruction book. And in fact, the first edition, uh, we made a large tactical error. We had assumed that the high school and college coach market would be receptive to this idea of learning the barbell lifts. You can't and teach them new stuff. No, 
that that was yeah. our tactical. We <laughs> we took the first edition to the Texas High School Coaches Association convention in um, that was probably 2005. In 2005, and the book had been in print at that point two or three months. We went to the Texas High School Coaches Association convention in San Antonio, and this. Uh, the venue that this, this convention was in was the San Antonio Convention Center. If I remember correctly, it's something on the order of 250,000 square feet of vendor space. It is damn near as big as the Arnold. Wow. Wow. It really is. It's wow. an astonishingly well attended, yeah, uh, many, many, many tens of thousands of people there. I, there's more people than that at the Arnold, but this thing was a big, it's a big deal, and this was our target market. We sold 22 books. Wow. Wow. At that thing, 22 books. And we, you know, I, it shouldn't be a shock to me, but that taught me quite a bit about who the Arnold, the actual target demographic of this book was. It wasn't coaches at all. Mm -hmm. Because they already know this. Yeah. <laughs> they got this. They understand this already. We're perfectly happy with our weightlifting program. We, we like what in, we got. So in we the high school, we, we, we know we got this. We lifted weights, <laughs> right? So it, it soon became obvious that we were selling books primarily to lifters, primarily to the guy in their garage that was trying to learn how to do this stuff correctly. So our, our starting strength approach, the first edition approach, included primarily just lift instruction. And then it became obvious that there had been a lot of things that we had not thought about, mm -hmm. about the analysis that must accompany the question, why? Why do you squat the way you squat? Why? Well, you know, I had a kind of a rudimentary explanation for it, but if you ask an instructor, you know, at the appropriate time, of course. You ask an instructor, why are we doing it this way? And the instructor's answer to you is because that's the way we do it. Well, it's, it's that's wrong. the way it's we do it. Bullshit. Then immediately, you know that you have wasted your money on that appointment, <laughs> and you will continue to waste money on any subsequent appointments that occur if you do not uh, receive the answer why. Because I mean, if I tell you, to do anything over there on that on that barbell. I ought to be able to answer any question you have about why I'm telling you to do what you're doing. Sure. I mean that's just that's just what an intelligent person should reasonably expect. And and, and you know what's well, that's and, the way we do it. And that's you know what's that's amazing inadequate. too is like when I've asked, like when I when I read your book, it fundamentally changed like I'd been lifting lifting, power lifting almost my whole life. And come to find out, I read your book, I improved on lifts, I, it, it explained a bunch of stuff that I'd never really understood. I read your book for the first time, I, yeah, I think five years ago or something, or six years ago, my brother Dave gave it to me. And it changed the way that I looked at, at lifting, and I was like, man, there's, there's a lot here. And I went through and took a bunch of notes and stuff in there. And then as I continued to, as I continued to go through and listen to your podcast and stuff, it really... It was one of those moments that really changed a lot of the stuff where it was like, man, I've been doing a lot of that. You got to kind of check your ego. Yeah. Because a it's bit. because it's like all of a sudden it's, it's like, okay, I'm, you mean what you're telling me is I've been doing this wrong right. my entire life. <laughs> right. 
But then you and you've got a you've got a bunch invested in doing it wrong, and the lots in in, in fact the probably the uh, primary reason that people want to argue with us about this kind of thing is they don't want to argue. They're not arguing with our analysis because they can't. They're arguing with the fact that they have been doing it in a less than optimum manner, and they're not interested in me telling them that. And that's kind and, of a you know that's, that's a human I mean, that's that's human nature that's right? human nature I understand completely well, and that's, and, and that's that's and, like the discussion we were talking about just getting mired in tradition the yes. traditions that were developed because we didn't have the science or the insight or the an analysis to understand what it is we were doing so we we're doing the best we could at the time and that's quite true of oh essentially everything that has a developed uh, approach to itself. Uh, very few situations like that are actually going to be welcoming of an outside analysis. And I perceived as an outside analysis. I'm not quite sure why. I've been doing this 40 years. I've been doing it longer than the vast majority of people that have this embedded analysis. And I, look, one of the interesting things about our deal is, if you'll notice, we are in the third edition. Now, why were we in the third edition? Because the first edition was wrong <laughs> about a whole bunch of stuff, and who admitted that? Me, yeah. right? So I changed it. The second edition was wrong, inadequate explanations for lots and lots of things. So we changed it. If you can't admit that you've got something to learn, you're not terribly effective as a autonomous mm. human being, right? Yeah. You might as well and, start digging the grave. Yeah, just yeah. just get this over with. But I, you know, we we're the ones that have changed our explanation as it become as it became obvious. I learn about this all the time. Every seminar we do where there are intelligent questions, intelligent comments, I learn from that. I write stuff down. It goes into the next print run of the book. And uh, uh, you know, I try not to be guilty of that, which I criticize other people for, for doing. And uh, I will learn, right? And I think they need to also. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, as we, we look at it, where skills are perishable. So, you know, we have these bad habits that start eking their way into what it is sure. we're doing. And it doesn't matter what it is. And then just having that coach or, or having mm -hmm. a mentor or even your buddy come in and kind of check your left and right. And right. That it's like, eh. And even good skills are improvable. Mm -hmm. we, we can't ever get to the point where we think we're completely satisfied with our analysis. Because it can be elaborated upon, aspects of it can be incorrect, they need changing, changing circumstances may have to change the way in which that analysis gets applied. There are all kinds, you have to be nimble. You have to be able to change things when circumstances make it obvious that a change is required. And if you can't do, like for instance, like for instance, USA weightlifting is placed about 35th in the world in the world championships for the last couple of decades. You'd Why? think because they're not very strong. <laughs> you'd right. think that you'd think that they would have learned from this and would take a different approach. But no. Mired they the circle the wagons. That's yeah. what they do. Well, and and you know, and that's not that's not just sure. the, you, see the, it not just, you see it everywhere. That's what I was gonna say you know. where you know you look at look at sport most sports in general 
the way that they do it is the way that they do it. And it's like, yeah. could, can we think of maybe the possibility of being a, a better way? Can we improve upon? Yeah. No, 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 no. You gotta, if you play well, this sport, you have to man, do it this you, way. Hey, the you, you boxers got to do your road work. Boxers got to do their road work. And that work, was the know? discussion that was fascinating because Josh being a fighter, saying, hey, you know, this is the, this is the balance being a fighter. You got to do your road work and stuff. And then listening to Mark say, well, think about it like this. And let's, I mean, let's hit the high points of that discussion. Yeah. Mark, does a, does a fighter need to do road work in your opinion? I, how long is the round? And how long is the road work? Why is the road work, you know, why is 10 miles on the, on the road, uh, how does that contribute to a three-minute round? Inside they're, they're, of a 20-foot cage, right. mind you. That they're, they're two completely different metabolic events. Mm -hmm. But boxing and some other martial arts are just, they're not going to discuss this with us. They got this. <laughs> they got this, yeah. you know. Well, hey, USA Boxing manages to win their own national meet every year, right? Yeah. USA Weightlifting manages to win the USA Nationals every year. They know, hey, we got this. Well, right? the and champ it, does it this way. This this hey, guy, or greatest guy. lifter in the world, does it this way. It must be the best way to do it. Greatest fighter in the world does it this way. It must that be must right. be. It must be, be correct. How no. many how many pitchers? In the in Major League Baseball, throw sidearm. I recently uh, saw saw this discussed. I don't know. Oh, twenty percent of them probably. Not, I mean, not many. Uh, my, but, it'd be a minority for sure. Right, but these guys are in Major League Baseball, right? Does any pitching coach teach sidearm? But not here not. are guys that are being paid millions of dollars a year to throw sidearm. Apparently, they're wrong. Are they wrong? <laughs> are the pitching coaches wrong? Who's right? Wouldn't a better explanation of this observation be that some pitchers are really, really good at doing it inefficiently? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, we that, talked about that. that, that a, doesn't that constitute a better explanation for the observed facts? Mm -hmm. This guy is such a good pitcher that he can throw sidearm, even though it's not the best way to throw, that he's making $3 million a year in Major League Baseball. And we see right. that with fighters too. Of course you do. I mean, of we see fighters guys, that, that are less the, than the, the style is out the window, but they still manage to knock guys out. Yeah, and and it's almost like people are are successful in spite of themselves. Right. You know. And that's exactly. That's exactly. That, that is that. Back to genetics. That people you are, before. in fact, lots and lots of college athletes are successful. Lots and lots of college teams are successful in spite of the fact that they're strength and conditioning people to have no idea what the hell they're doing. Not because of it, but in spite of it. And here's the, here's the horrible truth, guys. This is another horrible truth. Where do I look? That uh, camera yeah, right let, there? Let, bump, bump. Oh, maybe no, get the tie one. Right, right down here. Yeah, get right in there. And, yeah, and but that makes my hairline look bad. Let's go to this one over here. You like the other one better? Success in athletics is largely and I mean greater than 90% dependent on genetics. You'll notice that none of the three of us are being heavily recruited by the NBA. You don't know that. I do know that. <laughs> and the reason is we're short. And the NBA wants tall people, and tall 
is genetic. That's and I'm real sorry about that. But isn't that's that discrimination? The case. It is. In a way, that, I mean, I feel like I'm being discriminated against. You are being discriminated against, I, but in, in this case, it's okay. It's okay because it's okay. I, you will not make money I didn't playing think, basketball. I didn't think discrimination was ever okay. That seems unfair. In the world that we it, live it, in. Uh, it depends. But what if it I all project, depends. What if I feel, because I feel like I'm about 7'3". <laughs> you identify. I identify as, as a 7 foot three. A 7 foot 3. With about a 48 inch vertical leap, because why not? Why not? Person can identify any way they want to, <laughs> but it doesn't. And you know it, what? It doesn't make and, and, and let's go back to that. I don't know why that matters. <laughs> I don't know why it matters that you identify as seven foot three, since empirically you are five foot eight. You identify any way you want. That's actually giving me an inch, so thank you. I'm actually five seven, but right. you're you're a good man. Well, you know that was a well, nice I've compliment. I got heels on, but <laughs> but you know you you kind of burned me earlier, and I don't know that I'll ever recover from this. You, you have gone on record to say it, and I'm sure you still hold this contention, that um, any real man is at least 200 pounds. 200 pounds. Oh, I missed that discussion. When was that? Uh, that was oh, on the phone. You I've said, said that online and several different so what, places. So why is, why is that? Why is that? Why 200 pounds? Why is that? Because I feel like I'm fairly manly, but I'm only like a buck 75. Because you're 25 pounds underweight. That's why 200 pounds. Oh, uh, why is, it, why is a, a grown man 200 pounds? Oh, because they just are, Jeff. <laughs> they just are. Some things just are. I'm looking for an analysis here. Well, in this particular case, you know, a guy that's 5'7", he might need to weigh 195. <laughs> All right. So 20 more pounds. He might be grown at 195. And, and it's funny, I say it all the time, because most of the people that I train with are giants, you mm -hmm. know, 200 plus, heavyweights, light heavyweights, and I identify myself as a half-grown man. It's like, right. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Well, now. but you're good at sneaking around underneath them. And I think right? there's a necessity there's for a, that. There's a, there's a role. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, use a niche for that. Yeah, for, there's a use for small <laughs> sure, guys, sure. you know, in the world. So. Zappers. Tunnel rats. Sappers, right? Zappers. Tunnel, Tunnel rats, rats. Yeah. Right. Ninjas. I, I, I'll, wear that, I'll wear that with pride, you know. And, and uh, if I can get my strength up to that of a 200-pound guy, then I think, so, then I'm a, does that count? Well, if, let's, if let's, I can be a strong let's talk about Of course strength. it does. Of course it does because... The stronger you are, the more effective you are as an athlete, a fighter, a soldier, anything else. The more effective you are as a 61-year-old man. Because your physical existence is almost completely predicated on your ability to produce force against an external resistance. And let's, let's talk about that just a second. Strength is uh, the production of force against an external resistance, and that's all it is. In other words, a man with a 500-pound deadlift is stronger than a man with a 200-pound deadlift. And this is not subject to refutation. It's, pretty, it's, it's pretty just empirical, yeah. right. There's no such thing as bricklayer strength. There's no such thing as speed strength or strength speed or any of that other mm. uh, flowery, descriptive craziness from super training. It's, strength is the ability to produce force against external resistance, period. Now, if I take a man with a 200-pound deadlift and train him and produce a 500-pound deadlift, he is stronger. 
And that's important because every physical effort that he engages in that is lighter than 500 pounds is now easier, too. Mm -hmm. Sure, period. Period. <clears throat> Any 500-pound deadlifter is, is going to have an easier time pushing another guy around than a 200-pound deadlifter. In and, you know, te technique being evil, uh, equal, sure. and we're not letting you out of your technique. You have to do your technique work, obviously. No fun. one ever said that in the absence of technique, the 500-pound guy can beat the 200-pound guy. No right. one ever said that. That is a straw man. That is just a, that makes it easier to refute the argument for people that don't want to get their deadlift up. But who, right? you know, when we talked about this a little bit who can do, it's like 500 pounds. That's insane. That's insane. Who can do that? Well, anybody can do that. Any even attack, Zach, even, Zach, Zach, even Zach can get to a 500 pound deadlift. If Zach uh, uh, starts uh, Eating. at 175, wherever he is right now, and adds five pounds per workout to the bar. Eventually, that adds up to 500 pounds. Mm. And it, the interesting thing is, is that 500 pounds is not remarkable. It does not represent a strength specialization. It represents something that every one of our starting strength coaches does on a weekly basis in their practice in their gym. We all do it. We all can produce 500-pound deadlifts in average-sized guys of average genetic ability. It's wow. not remarkable. So essentially, 500 pounds is kind of the baseline. It's kind you, of the standard. Have you guys noticed how much Zach looks like Q? He does. In the James Bond movies? Oh, yeah. The look, new Q. Look at him. Yeah. He looks That's like the, the guy. Movie. It's the same guy. He kind of is. Come like on camera and let's. Yeah, show us. He kind of. Show us what we're he, talking he about. He is here. the man behind. Zach, Zach's going to be pulling 500 pounds in. What, what kind of timeline do you think he needs? A year? Oh, he needs year? nine months. He can do that. Really? Mr. Bond, yeah. I'll make you a device to get you 500 pounds next week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is, wow. I'm not. You nailed that. You guys didn't know that. We didn't. Thank you. You didn't realize wow. that's just, the guy. You just closed that loop. Yeah. yeah. Right. Huh. So. Anyway, yeah, Zach can deadlift 500 pounds. Now Zach's going to have to gain some weight to do it, but the process of getting strong enough to deadlift 500 we'll makes him that. grow. Sure. So is that makes him grow? So if he gets does... stuck along the way, then he hasn't been eating enough. Okay, so let's right? talk a little bit about. So we've got we're, we've got training. We're going to circle back around because, but let's let's talk a little bit about eating. Can he just maw down on? I mean, at his age. Can he maw down on anything? Well, he's only 60. Pretty, you, pretty you, much. I mean, you're famous for the gallon of milk a day, you know, right. where, you, where you brought that up. Well, a gallon of milk a day for somebody like Zach was a perfectly appropriate approach for the few months it's going to take him to get. Now, we're not. See, here's another thing that's interesting. Everybody wants to argue with us about a gallon of milk a day. We're not saying that every human being on the face of the earth needs to drink a gallon of milk a day. But you know what? It's much more fun to argue with that thing than it is to say that, you know, some people, in fact, do need a gallon of milk a day for a, a certain number of months while they're gaining weight, and other people need to restrict their calories, which is actually what we've said, but it's more fun to refute their version of the argument sure. than it is to refute our version of the argument. Yes, Naturally. right. That's always more fun. Oh, yeah. So what you do is you restate what Ripito said and then say, yeah, he's full of shit, see? Except that's not what we said. What we said is that for a guy, a young man, a young underweight man, a gallon of milk a day and four big meals 
you know, that all add up to about 6,000 calories a day is how you gain weight. Now, this isn't complicated, is it? Whole milk. Whole greasy milk. Maybe add some half and half to it, in there fact. There you go. You know? Drink whole milk. I, you know, half and half is actually good too. Oh, yeah. I, I would put that. I put a little bit. Is my wife watching? I put a little <laughs> bit of half and half in my boys' milk so they get the fat. Content. They need yeah. the fat. They yeah. need the fat. Fat's Kids need the fat. Fat yeah. is where it's, it's at. It's extremely important when you're growing up because you're making your brain out of fat. And lots and lots of kids have been damaged beyond repair by these idiot vegan Californian people. Uh, That's right. He said it. When they when they want to restrict shots fired their their children's diet to that's child abuse is all yeah, that is I agree it's, you're you imposing know. your eating disorder on but your children but they're giving them soy for protein oh. Oof. Uh, I, you know uh, let's not that's let's, what we call poking the bear yeah let's not get into that but but uh, we've already pissed off a bunch of people with let's that keep going. with that comment We're but on a roll. Uh, so anyway anyway if We're if vegans. if Zach uh, decided that he was going to train his three days a week and do the program as as we've written it down in several places and in the book and online and and let's say he decided he's going to get some help from starting strength online coaching or one of our other one of our other coaches that are around here. Uh, starting strength. He go over and hang around one. with your brother. Once I get through teaching him what deep actually is on the squat, yeah. then he'll. Uh, He'd have a little bit of guidance, and he comes in, he trains three days a week, and he eats, and he puts five pounds on the bar. He does his squats, his presses, his bench presses, his deadlifts. We teach him how to power clean. In nine months, you will not recognize this guy. You will not recognize him. He'll, have gained, he'll have gained 50 pounds of useful body weight. Wow. That's and. And I, if that is shocking to me, it's it, on three days a week. I, I, three so, days a week seems right. so. You, so the, but that is, is shocking to you. So is you he lose his analytical skills because I need him for that. No, no, he's he'll be even smarter than he yeah. is. So he's not going to get big he'll and be dumb. Unstoppable. But, <laughs> but 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 let's look at it like this. He won't this. listen to me anymore. You, you made an interesting comment there that that is very revelatory. You've got you said you're shocked. Yeah, 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Do and you, a 500-pound so, deadlift. So you understand why all the boxing coaches and all of the UFC guys and the MMA guys and everybody else that clings to this opinion that you that 500 pounds is a crazy squat, mm -hmm. that's why they do that. It's the same reaction. Yeah, sure. That, that you just say, it's unbelievable. The, and this unbelievability arises from a lack of experience with this type of program. I have been doing this for 40 years. I have owned the gym that I own right now for 33 years. I have taken thousands of people personally through this program. I've taught thousands of people to squat. I have supervised the training of tens, probably hundreds of thousands of people through the website and through all of our materials, I'm telling you that I know incontrovertibly, this is a fact, this is an empirical fact, that boy right there can gain 50 pounds of muscular body weight and deadlift 500 pounds in nine months. That is I've, I've absolutely seen amazing. Countless times. Okay, Zach. Yeah. I've seen it countless times. All right. 
This guy. Here we go. See, I, I don't got a hold on the muscles. So you're saying I can gain? Yes. This. You're intact, aren't my skinny, you? My skinny little body. You are intact, right? I am. What's your I'm, What's your I'm, dimensions? Ed? You're about what? Six. I am. I'm six three and one seventy pounds. All See, right. you're you need to think about weighing two twenty five as fast as you can get there. Woo. But if you'll look at at his shoulder width and the rest of his little emaciated skeleton right now, <laughs> I want you to I want you to understand that. This man can weigh 250. He can I mean, weigh he's 250. He's got a frame, right? He's, he has the frame. Yeah. He can weigh 250. He just got to And it, it is nothing more than a, than a matter of applying the accumulation of stress because the, the, the basic thing here is you stress the biological system. The biological system responds to that stress. It recovers from the stress and it adapts to that stress, right? And you do that. Like this. Five pounds. Five pounds. That's the five pounds, right? Now, you don't do this. You have to do this, right? And if you do that long enough, you will accumulate the strength to deadlift 500 pounds. Now, that's not ridiculous, is it? You stress the body five pounds at a time, a manageable amount of stress increase. You feed it enough to recover, it gets stronger. Then you add some more weight and stress it again with a little bit heavier weight. And over time, adaptation to the cumulative stress occurs and the increase is, so, as you said, unbelievable. But so, nonetheless, it happens. It happens all the time. Every time anybody applies this program in this way, the result is predictable and obvious. And if it, in, in fact, if you try to do this program and you're not getting the results, then I immediately know you haven't done the program. Because the program has to be done in the correct way. The jumps must be small enough to be recovered from, but substantial enough to accumulate an actual change at the end of the program. You have to recover from it. You have to eat enough. You have to eat enough protein. You got to eat enough calories. And you got to go to sleep. Right? And if you do that, in nine months, you'll be deadlifting 500 pounds at a body weight of about 225, 230, 235. It's just not that big a deal. So, it's, it's, and this is the part that nobody yeah. understands. This, is not, this does not represent either a strength specialization. Like We're not asking Zach to become a competitive powerlifter. Because 500 pounds is not a competitive deadlift. Well, for most people, though, that I mean, that is like an astronomical number. For most people, it is outside their experience. Yep. For me, it is normal. We do it all the time. So, is and it, when when you get somebody that responds to this this thing right here on the comments page and says Rip gives everybody steroids and all this other shit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, shut up. Shut the fuck up. I, you don't know what you're talking about. Just because you have access to a keyboard does not mean you're entitled to an opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. Did anybody say that? I haven't seen it yet. No, he's no, just it'll, no, we've got, it'll happen. Pete's got a great question. We've got some of our, our regulars on there. Sean yep. Knudsen, 
Pete right. Sales, Jess Hoffner, hey, you guys, thanks well, so Pete much. Pete asked an excellent question. How does age factor well, into the program? Well, and that's what I was going to ask, because I'm it, pushing 50. It, it, it factors into the program. It obviously factors into the program. If I take an 18-year-old kid and I put him on this program, he's going to show a markedly more dramatic response to this program than, than a guy that starts it at 65. The process is the same, right? Stress, recover from the stress, adaptation. Stress, recovery, adaptation. Stress, recovery, adaptation. But whereas a young man has got the hormonal milieu and a lack of accumulated injuries that will interfere with his ability to both train effectively and to recover effectively, mm -hmm. an older guy is beat up. A 65-year-old guy is beat up. Yeah, You're beat up. beat up. You're beat up because of your history with physical activity. You've been dropped off of buildings and out of airplanes and rolled over, kicked you know, face. kicked in the face and hit by cars and rolled around on by horses and everything else. <laughs> and as a result, those that medical history has to has to be taken into consideration. But the process still functions for a 41-year-old Pete. Well, there you go, Pete. It, 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 it factors in. But 41 is not a problem. 51 isn't that big a problem. 61 is getting to be a problem. 71 requires a different uh, fundamental approach to this, but the process is, is the same. Uh, we don't. We can't train a 71-year-old guy like we can train a 21-year-old guy. They nor don't. Should you expect to? Nor should you expect to if you're intelligent enough. And we've and we've trained enough older people where we pretty much know what what we can do with them. Uh, you need to train three days a week. 71-year-old guy needs to train two days a week because right. he can't recover as well. So you think even as a professional athlete, my strength training should be because I'm I'm when I'm getting geared up. I'm more of a four to five kind of guy. It's probably too I, much, huh? Uh, I, I think that for what you are trying to do, that your training under the barbell uh, should be approached more conservatively than some, because of the practice requirements right, right. of your sport. Okay. You've got to do a lot of practice. Yep. And practice and training are two completely separate things, and we'll talk about that. People in a confuse those. Quite People a confuse them all the time, and and it really helps to have your your mind clear about the differences between those two activities. Uh, but if you have never gone through the process of starting with where your three sets of five squats are. Correct, below parallel, good form, three sets of five squats, and adding five pounds to that, in this case twice a week, then that potential remains undeveloped. And, you know, there, there's no reason why a guy with athletic ability like yourself can't get up to a 375 squat without more than uh, 45 minutes a workout applied to the, yeah. to well, the I, process I, I and, 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 and how much you know how much I, I don't know if you can do that below parallel well that is the, the you know criteria. I mean a 375 yeah. half squat my mom could do a 375 half squat three or four days before she died that's not a particularly Different amazing task. Sure. amazing task right so uh, 
you uh, have got to make sure your depth is there. You've got to make sure everything mm -hmm. is, is correct in terms of your technique. And then you just got to go in and just, it's five pounds. That's all it is. Yeah. It's five more pounds. You already did 370. 375 is just it's five, five pounds. Yeah. That's five pounds. Well, Not anymore. Maybe it was. Well, then uh, that's, and that's what Elise Lonberger, thanks for the question out there. So essentially what you're saying is if you jump too much in weights, you're actually screwing up your recovery time. You're, you're, at, you're applying a stress from which you cannot recover ah. in the time frame we've allotted to that. Now, we have a, a paradigm, uh, the, the training progression paradigm, novice, intermediate, advanced. And uh, it makes perfect sense if you'll read about it in, in either starting strength, basic barbell training, or practical programming for strength training. We we describe the process by which a, an untrained individual goes from being completely untrained to an advanced lifter. And it has to do with recovery time and the response to stress. A novice lifter responds and adapts to stress within 48 to 72 hours. Because the magnitude of that stress is low relative to their potential strength and because they are not really strong enough to apply a sufficiently large stress that it can't be recovered because they have, they're not strong enough to hurt themselves yeah, yeah. bad enough. So then they recover from it in, in, in 48 to 72 hours. So you come in, you, you, you train, you do that day's workout, you wait 48 hours, then you do it again with a little bit more weight. But if you add that much weight to it, it's too much. Then even if you can do it, you can't recover from it in the 48 to 72 mm, hours. Gotcha. And you'll get stuck. Huh. What happens is you get stuck. You'd rather yep. have five pounds a workout for nine months than 20 pounds a workout for two weeks. For, for, yeah, for a month. Yeah. Obviously, because what we don't want to do is get stuck. Because if we get stuck, then we got to we have to stop and get unstuck. Mm -hmm. which is an interruption in the process. Sure. So uh, where, where do uh, the guys that are watching, guys and gals, sorry, just that are out there watching, where do they go? Where do they find your book? And then what's, well, your, what's your site where they can get more info? Like my website is uh, startingstrength.com. And you can buy the books at startingstrength.com. We got a rather large uh, bulletin board. The forums on starting strength are rather large, rather well read. We have a, a huge collection of articles and videos on that website. It's an excellent resource. We've been working on it very, very hard for a very long time, and we've accumulated the most informative strength training website on the internet. Uh, books are available on Amazon.com, Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training, Practical Programming for Strength Training, two or three other titles that we've got. And if you guys, if you do not have that book, uh, I'm telling you right now, go get that book like Jess out there, because Jess does strong woman uh, competitions and stuff. I'm telling you, it will it will be a huge boost in your understanding and also in your strength. R well worth the going out there and grabbing it. It's, it's a fantastic book. Don't let the title fool you. You can run down a rabbit hole that's unbelievably complex just from reading the book. Most people read the book three times. If they're going to get everything out of it, it takes multiple readings. Yeah, it's a there, there's it's a, a lot there. It's a lot. It's dense. It's yeah. a there's a lot of material because 
We've added material every time we've done a new edition. You know, and the genius of the book is, if you don't know anything about strength training, you can read it and get a pretty good idea about it. You can read it. Nah, this is going to sound shitty, but I'm going to go. <laughs> you can read the book first time through and know more about strength and conditioning than the vast majority of the D1 strength and conditioning coaches in the United States. That's not my fault. It's not because I'm a genius. It's because they're a bunch of dumbasses. And you can already, and when I read, I was 35, I think, when I read it or something, and I read it, and I read it, and then I read it again because it was like, wait a minute, and all of a sudden going down rabbit holes of the anatomy and what was happening, and it's, it's, it's well worth the buy. It's fascinating. So uh, Pete wants to know, starting strength or practical program, which should you start with? You start with starting strength. It's like the title in says. The title. Like the title says. Starting strength is, is, of the two books, starting strength instructs the lifts. And that, it analyzes why the lifts should be instructed that way. Starts off with just basic physics and, and builds from there. Uh, at the end of starting strength, there's a programming chapter that introduces the concepts that we've developed uh, of novice, intermediate, advanced. And it starts you off, the beginning lifter, with a novice program. If you'll do it like it's written, they won't. But sure. if, you'll do it like, <laughs> if you'll do it like it's written, it works pretty damn well. Sure. It works every time now, it's tried, now, for that matter. Now, every Pete's next time question he's going to ask, he hasn't asked it yet, but Pete, I'm reading your mind. Pete has a young son. How young can a kid be to, and start lifting? Well, a, a kid can lift when he is old enough to be coached on the movement patterns. Uh, squats, deadlifts, presses, bench presses, these are all perfectly safe uh, exercises for children to do. Mm -hmm. uh, What's the youngest and, you've seen? <clears throat> four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really young. Yeah, but they have to, it takes a special kid to be able to be coached. Sure. He has to be able to, to execute it safely and for, for younger kids, what we have found is that the primary problem with younger kids in lifting weights is they're not very good at controlling their eccentric descent. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they just they drop. I know a lot of into the bottom do that of the too. A lot of adults do that. And, but kids are especially bad sure. about that. So if you can teach a kid to control the descent of the barbell on the lifts, then he can lift safely. And this is going to take some, some coaching and some patience from from parents, and at that point, kids can lift weights as long as they can approach it as play. Hmm. I don't think you need to be training a kid or even attempting to train a kid. They're doing a, practice at that point. A, they should be out throwing dirt clods at each other and building forts and climbing trees and shit like that. Yep. But more importantly, uh, aside from that important moral argument, a child lacks the hormonal milieu to be able to recover from a progressively increasing strength training load. Gotcha. They have to be at Tanner stage, probably four before they can do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about 14, 15 years old is when they actually need to start training. So what about talking about weight with the joints? And I think that probably comes down to looking at well, the technique that, and controlling it. Well, it's that old wives tale of, of you're gonna you know, stunt you've their got growth, a kid, are you going to stunt their growth because you're putting weight on their joints? Are you disrupting the growth plates? Do you know any farm kids? <laughs> yep. You know any farm kids that didn't have to haul hay when they were kids? Not a one. 
And <laughs> every one of them. Every one of them had to haul hay. And what are they all this tall? Yeah. They're all, They're all studded. All midgets. They're studded. All midgets. That's where yeah. midgets come from, yep. right? Yeah. They're farm from from growth <laughs> stunting. Now we saw from them. barbell training. That explains a lot. I I that is such a some arguments, some objections are really not worth responding to, and that you know the University of Nebraska football team ought to show you guys how there. completely <laughs> full of shit you are if you think that so, growth is being stunted. <laughs> Good God. Zach, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna zip into the lightning round because we've got about ten minutes left or so. Lightning round. Yeah, so we've got some questions and we're gonna get your authoritative uh, answers on it. So right out of the gate, and and people watching online on Facebook, you know, give your thoughts and comments on these two. We'd love to hear what you think about it. But Mark, let's the first one here is uh, automatic or standard. Grown man ought to be able to drive a stick. Grown woman ought to be able to drive. My wife refuses to drive anything that is not a manual transmission. I don't own any any vehicles without a clutch. Yeah. I will not buy an automatic transmission. Yeah, that's manly. It's just, it, well, it's just practical. You know how much it costs to replace an automatic transmission? Good point. Just, it's silly. Yeah, but they're hard to find now. I mean, I know. It's, I mean, it's. I, look, tell me about it. I got an 04 Dodge. Uh, Dodge door handles fall off, but it's a <laughs> but but. The truck is a as a long bed four door pickup with a five nine Cummins diesel in it with a manual transmission, four wheel drive. That's a unicorn, and that's what I'm told. You know, I started so I've had a knock in the motor. A uh, couple of mechanics took a shot at it, couldn't seem to do anything except write a big invoice. Nice, and uh, uh, got this got this knock in it. I think it's a wrist pin. So I'm going to go ahead and have a new short block put in the, in the truck. And here's the calculus. What can, can you find in, is, that's been manufactured since about 2010? A diesel pickup, four-door, long white bed, four-wheel drive with a, with a manual transmission in it that doesn't require DEF or some other Interesting oh, new in EPA. So. I don't think they're that they're hard they to find. Yeah. yeah. And even if I did find one, I spent eight grand on a short block being installed in this mm-hmm. thing. I'm money ahead. Yeah. Obviously yeah. money ahead, so that's what I'm gonna do. Because you need a manual transmission. Gotta have it. You've got to have a manual transmission. You haven't got control of your wheels unless you have a manual transmission. Jeff, what do you think? Because I, I know what I, you drive. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm way past the cool years, I guess. But well, um, we're not gonna. I, I we're drive, not gonna make fun of Jeff. No, no, we, we can't. It's okay, you can, and I won't care anyways. But uh, I mean, I drive an automatic, but um, I also I drove a stick for years and years and years. And you got like it. everything overseas was all a stick, you know, especially driving driving in the mountains mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's it's got to drive a stick. Stick. Yeah. You know, I, you I actually rent a car with a stick in Europe. Really? Oh, really? You can lease a car at an airport that has a stick in it. How about I mean, that? You, that's not available in the United States. No, no, no they would not. Oh, they're not going to. No, no, no. Man, they would wreck that thing. All right, so. So, this hadn't been real lightning. Wait, that was, that was kind of long. Yeah. All right, next one. High bar or low bar? These might all be kind of long because. I see no some... reason to do what you guys are referring to as a high bar squat. And. And after my. But that's how we always did it. After my explanation with you prior to the. Our little podcast yeah, yeah. here. 
You understand why? It, you yeah. can lift more weight, low bar. What is strength? Moving shit. This has been discussed so many times on my forums that it's, you know, it's, I'm just disinterested in dealing Sorry, with it passe, anymore. It's, so it's, it's completely passe, but the, 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 the short answer is low bar allows you to squat heavier weights, and why do we squat? So to get, get strong, stronger. and if you squat heavier weights, are you stronger than if you squat lighter weights? Absolutely. And that's all there is to it. Boom, there you okay. go. All right, uh, next one. And it really is not any more complicated than that. As much as you'd like it to be, it's not. <laughs> all right, decaf or regular? Is this really a question? Some people really like decaf. Because it tastes good? I think they, they think decaf tastes good. I think they like the taste of so, coffee, so, but they don't like well, the, but the, the caffeine. Decaf doesn't have the taste of coffee because the bitterness from the caffeine it's a is part of the fact, flavor component. It's a little known fact that Mark is actually a coffee head, roasts his own yeah. beans, and yeah, he's a connoisseur and knows what a good cup of coffee is. Absolutely. Been doing it for a long, long time. Started off with the old popcorn popper. Yeah. Roasting in a popcorn popper wow. and moved up to more more useful equipment, but uh, you guys, if you've never roasted your own coffee, uh, do so. Hey, here's a question. You guys sell green beans? If somebody places an order for some green beans, would you fill it with green beans? I don't think we sell green beans, but we, maybe we could you probably should, talk we, to some Maybe people you should consider, well, you, you, you should consider doing that because... Yeah. Uh, uh, a really good, uh, there are websites around the internet that specialize in selling green beans. I've seen them out there in the yeah. in the warehouse. You could, yeah. I, you know, there's there's two or three companies that specialize in green beans, and there's no reason why you can't man, uh, of be one of them. Man, this guy's yeah. smart. I'll tell you what. I'm telling you, man. I'm just I'm just aware of the of the market. <laughs> there's a market for green bean yeah. sales, and right. they buy them from y'all. Yeah, that's you know they would. That's amazing. All right, so. Obviously, regular coffee. I mean, you gotta have sure. the full strength. Next, obviously. we've got gloves or no gloves. What are we doing? We're weightlifting, obviously. Oh no, you're look, no. There is a lot of no. people. I you, have, you see it all the time where you've got the cutoff gloves. Well, let's why? You, why? Why do you think that is? Because they don't want to snag their pantyhose. Is that what? It, <laughs> you get all these little <laughs> the little nicks callous and, things and yeah, you snag your rough. pantyhose, and. You know, if a girl wants to wear gloves, that's fine. She's going to wear pantyhose, and I understand not that's wanting to snag them, but you and I need our hands. I mean, we're trying to train the whole organism, sure. right? And your hands are your interface with the external environment. You I want might like to interface you want your life. You want your hands tough or not? Why? What are you sparing with that layer of unstable goo between the barbell and the and, and and your hand and your palm of your hand you you are training that skin too more importantly why would you put a layer of unstable movable goo in between the barbell and your hand there's no reason to do that okay, so, you will drop the bar so, during a pull sure. you and it makes the bar so fatter which makes it harder continuation to hold of that it's not on there shoes no shoes shoes why because your arches are very important to you. Your arches are very important to you. Shoes are for support. They support your foot. Well, can I get stronger and not have to worry about it? Well, you know, you can. And all right, look, I can go into a lot more complicated <laughs> explanation of this. It has to do with your the relationship between your body's mass and the barbell's mass and your point of contact on the floor. 
if you've got a hard-soled shoe, then what you have is a bigger surface area to interact with the floor. And as a result, your foot interacts with the inside of the shoe and spreads the force out over the outside of the shoe, the sole of the shoe that's interfacing with the floor. You've got arch support from the, the way the middle of the shoe is constructed and a metatarsal strap. But you have also extended the, the base of support from the heel to the toe of the shoe. Your toes are wiggly. Right. Right? So we make a longer interface with the floor with a shoe sole than we do barefooted. All right? Mm. Right? And, and this has important implications for where the center of balance under the barbell right. is. Okay, this right is the, now, in addition to that, and you may it, have converted Jeff because well, Jeff is well, a notorious no-shoe individual. But here's the other here's the other reason. All right, the people that argue against shoes are saying, "Well, it's not natural to have shoes." You know, you're, it's not natural to have shoes. I mean, you're born barefooted, right? Sure. Well, where does that shit stop? Well, it's not natural to it's fly not a plane either. It, it's not It's not natural to use a barbell with revolving sleeves and rubber bumper plates. I mean, if we got to be natural, all we can do is pick up rocks, right? Naked. But that kind of an artificial limitation limits our ability to progressively load mm -hmm. okay. the barbell. So in the context and of weightlifting, I mean, because Jeff's, Jeff's big thing without wearing shoes, and I'm kind of of the same mindset because fighting we don't wear anything, is you, you condition your feet to some degree. But, you know, so for walking well, around. Well, so does a 500-pound squat in the shoe. Believe it or not, your feet are still involved in the <laughs> no, shoe. No, they're gone. Don't you put you in gone? the shoe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, and, oh. you know, you don't want to drop a plate on your foot. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't want your DNA don't, all over the floor of the don't gym. Don't drop it. And just don't drop plates you on go. your don't foot. Drop plates. You know, but there are other kinds of, there, there, the primary reason to wear shoes when you train is because you're more stable against the floor. You're more stable against the floor, and if you're more stable against the floor, you can lift heavier weights. Up. Yeah. What are we trying to train for? To practice being barefooted when we lift weights or to get strong? Get strong. Ooh, all, right. All, right. all right. All right. This one, Coke or Pepsi? Do you have a preference? I prefer Diet Coke. Yeah. Pepsi's too sweet. Huh. I don't like it. What about you, Jeff? I don't drink soda pop. What? I don't. I don't. I don't the only don't time I drink any kind of Diet uh, Coke at all is when I'm driving. On the highway. That's yeah. not, I don't keep it in the house. I gotcha. don't keep it at the gym. Yeah, I don't. I uh, I stopped drinking soda a couple few years back, and I don't. I quit. Don't I soda. quit drinking the shit when I was eighteen because my mother, when I was eighteen, said, "You know, you're going to have to start paying for your own dental. <laughs> We're not going to pay for it anymore." And I said, "All right." So I went to the dentist the next time and said, "How do I stay out of this office?" <laughs> Stop and he said, stop drinking Cokes. Stop drinking Cokes with sugar. Don't drink sugar soft drinks. It's exactly the wrong combination of acid and bacteria food. And, it, and, and it's mm. responsible for the vast majority of my business. Huh. It's what he told me. And Ooh. I quit that day. I quit drinking Cokes, and I hadn't had a cavity since. There you go. Imagine stop that. drinking soda, folks. So don't, All right, next one. Cats or dogs? I, I peg you as a, as a cat guy, right? You're definitely in the cats. 
<laughs> no, look, I didn't come here to be insulted. <laughs> Josh, I didn't, I didn't agree to be on this that's, fucking podcast. So you just stand here and insult me like that. that what the line is, cats, to make the assert, assertion that you like cats. That's, what, you want to you piss I, look, you wanna what piss rip the, a toe off. <laughs> no, I, I don't have any cats. No cats. <laughs> Jeff, He's got, Jeff got, likes got, cats, got right? a great two great big dogs. Yeah, what do you? Yeah, have? I, two, I got a, I got a. <laughs> well, we've got a Congol. We got a Congol. She's a good girl. She's a big, fat, lazy creature. Nice. Kara, she likes to come inside, and she likes to be petted, and she wants you to give her something to eat, and then she wants to go to sleep, and that's. And that's about it. That's huh? it. That's the extent that's of Kara's, her day. It's the extent of her existence, and but she's very, very sweet, and we got a big boy dog. He's an Akbash. His name is Bjorni. He's a big white dog, and he's just a little over a year old. And he weighs about 115 pounds. Oof. And uh, Steph has raised him from a puppy, and he's a very nice boy. Yeah. He's a very sweet dog. That's great. That's Jeff, awesome. you, got a, you got a good sized dog, too. I do. Yeah, we got Sasha. She's a Sasha's a sweetheart. She is. She's a sweet she dog. She might be the sweet sweetest. Dog. Yeah. She oh, looks yeah. like, she looks terrifying. Oh, she's a Doberman. People have been conditioned to think that Dobermans yeah. are going to kill you, but she's a good girl. She I, is. She's I about see, 100 pounds. You know, like Rottweilers. I haven't ever, I'm sure there are mean Rottweilers, but I've never seen one. Yeah. All the Rottweilers I've ever met are sweet dogs. I mean, pit you know? bull, I've, most pit bulls that I've come across have been, oh, I've, I've have been seen super a, sweet. Occasionally, you'll find a pit bull raised in a trailer park that's, yeah. that's, that's been slapped beat. around and beat and taught to be mean. But the vast majority of pit bull dogs are, are just sweet creatures. Yeah. They're the sweetest creatures. They're the most person-like dogs in the world. They're just absolutely the coolest things. They have expressive faces and they can make you understand what they're thinking and stuff and I that you know people that say that pit bulls are well like the entire country of England uh, has decided that pit bulls are so dangerous that wow. they can't be permitted in the country they can't be permitted to interact with population because mass murder will result oh geez yeah now wow. you you talk about picking the wrong problem, just <laughs> <Jeez, laughs> so, yeah. Talk about addressing the problem wow. exactly backwards, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, pit bulls are, yeah. are we just got a sweet big animals like this. We just got a we just got a gray dane puppy. Actually, she's she's gonna be massive. That was those are those are nice big sweet dogs. The problem with great danes is they grow up to be seven or eight and they fall over dead. Right? Yeah, and that I was my, that it was just my, breaks my heart. I know, and that's, and I try to tell my wife. It breaks she, my heart too, yeah, too I can't badly. That. You can't, you get a big old giant dog and big dogs are more in the family for some reason than little bitty yeah, pain he, in the ass yep. dogs. And you get a big dog, it's part of the family and it just falls over dead. We yeah. just had that problem last year and it's just uh, devastating. Brutal. It's just brutal. Oh God, it's horrible. So right. I'm I'm not really interested yeah. in having a short live dog. I, I really yeah. am not. All right, okay. next one: Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek. Trekky. Yeah. Really. Star Trek. Look, that, you know how old I am, right? Well, I'm 61 years what? old. Oh, I was gonna say 38. No, well, that's <laughs> that's what we call pandering. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, pandering. I just wanted to pay you so, a kind respect because you showed me some cool lifting things. That's, you're, you're so sweet, but don't insult me I'm again <laughs> by saying I look like I'm 38, <laughs> all right? Now you're insulting my intelligence. Every 
single one of the original series episodes, mm -hmm. 66, 67, 68, 69, when they first broadcast, I watched every single one of those shows. No kidding. When I was a kid, I watched every one of them the night they first broadcast. Man. Absolutely. I bought in early. Mr. Wow. Spock raised me. <laughs> That's why I'm watching. James T. Kirk was the ultimate. Uh, I mean, is, the there, male, right? is there a yeah. better hero than no, James T. Kirk? I mean, Kirk? he could recite the Constitution and he, was, he could fight and he could fence and he, he was could, a tactician and a womanizer. And and a, <laughs> everything he, he could drink, he could, he could you know, yeah. he, he, all kinds of important led, led manly from the things. Front. Right, he did. He led from the front. He was on the landing party. He was on the landing party. He was always on the landing party. Maybe it's and, a generational and, thing, because I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I never could get, get into the Star Trek deal. That have is, you watched all of the, the three original series seasons? No. Well, that's where you start. Is that the problem? Yeah. That's if you, you, if you didn't you get them, to know them. And you've got to think about the metaphor that was going on there, that as Kirk as, you know, as the individual, it's, it's actually, it's fascinating. It, it really is. This is right in the middle of the That's Vietnam War. Way more in depth than I would have ever Right, thought. right in the middle of, there's a lot of social commentary going on. Some huh. of it's kind of hokey, but you just got to realize that you, you have to watch it and appreciate it for what it is. It was sure. the first show of its time mm -hmm. that anyone had ever yeah, seen. A yeah, serious yeah. treatment of science fiction on, on serial television with a, with, a, with a crew that you got to know as human beings. And with, with relatively intelligent writing, some of those shows are, are better than a lot of movies, like City on the Edge of Forever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that Harlan Ellison wrote for, for the show. It's, you know, the, this is a quality show. It's a quality, uh, well, it's, I mean, some of it is dated, some of the episodes are a lot better than others, but taken as a whole, yeah. that's why everybody loves those people. Yeah. Because they, we'd like to watch them work out together. We like to watch them train together, mm -hmm. live together, fight together, react together, think together, because it's just a fascinating group of characters, and we love those people. All right, well, I've got you some know, homework, and I've got to get, on my, yep, you do. get my Star Trek on. All right, next one, we have Whataburger or In-N-Out? That's not even, that's you're, not even close. In-N-Out is, Texas guy. I, I don't like Whataburger. I really? really? I really don't. I thought that was in and a out is, thing in Texas. In, it is. I just would rather In-N-Out's better quality product. All right. We don't. We have a few in Texas. In-N-Out has expanded, and there's several in the Metroplex now. Where I live, we don't have one, but uh, I eat in In-N-Out when I'm down in in Dallas. Anytime I get a here. chance, it's it's a those are those guys. Can you imagine how wealthy the family that owns In-N-Out is? It's I, not. I can't imagine. It's that, not actually. a publicly held corporation. Oh, whoa. I that's not that. a corporation. That's a family-owned business. For what I, unless it's changed, that's a family-owned business. Man, that's legit. Those guys, they're, every one of their stores is completely full every time yeah. the doors are not locked. Yep. That is a bird nest on the ground, as Man. we as we say in, <laughs> I like that. in Wichita County. I like that. Jeff, do you have a preference? I just like hamburgers. Yeah, you, you, well, you're partial to the uh, to the not Apollo Burger. Was it the Atlantis, Atlantis burger. burger? Yeah, Jeff loves probably the burger. most Which, delicious hamburger on planet Earth. Where is this? It's right down the road. I think uh, there's like one of them. It's well, like well, let's go. No, no, no. If you're going it's, anywhere, it's we're going to Lucky Thirteen. Oh the, yeah, well, Lucky Thirteen. Lucky 13 uh, those guys, they've got they've got that is a delicious burger there yeah. too. 
Well, they we'll put peanut butter on. We'll it. talk about it's that amazing. when we're through here. Yeah, we're almost uh, done. We're we're down to the last one here. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but uh, squat or deadlift? If you had to choose one, well, you because obviously it would be both. But well, well, it's like food or water. If you had to choose one, which would it be, food or water? It'd be water. Would I can it? live longer on water than I but can you, on food. But you are going to die. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll die either way, I guess. You're going to die either way. So it's not. That's a, you know, that's like one of these questions where you, if you're on a desert island, which which album would you take with you? Zeppelin one or Zeppelin two? <laughs> it's just you can't really choose. Can no, you? no, you you have to do all of it. You can't. You don't have the luxury of only picking one lift because you have to do all of it, and all of them is only three or four. You know. Sure. Uh, so just you know, do the ones you're supposed to do. Do them correctly. Don't cheat the lifts. Get them. Get your squats below parallel. Finish locking out your deadlifts. Do you and, like and one do, better than the other? Well, uh, just just your own personal preference. You're like, if you had if, all right, to to seriously consider your question, if I could only do one of those movements, it'd have to be the squat. Yeah. Because it's a longer range of motion. It it actually trains more more muscle mass over a longer range of motion than the deadlift does, but. Squats contribute to deadlifts. Deadlifts contribute to squats. Hmm. Uh, if you just had time to do one, it'd probably have to be the squat. But, you know. That's not the best way of the, looking it's, at it, it's, obviously. It, in, it's in it's not the best way of looking at it. Training program, it, absolutely. It, it's no, really no. not the best way of looking at it. But of the two, I'd say the squat's probably more valuable in terms of getting everybody stronger. Sure. What do you think, Jeff? Squat. Yeah. It's hard to argue with the man himself. It is. Now. For the same reason, it's just it's just you go below parallel, you lift more weight. There's a stretch reflex involved. It loads the whole body. Why do you think people are so reluctant to squat? Because they don't know how. Is that what it is? They they've been taught it's bad for the knees because they're doctors. Uh, they're doctors who don't know anything. From? Yeah, it, okay. it it you know doctors know about medicine. Yeah, not about strength training. So if you go to the doctor and your doctor says, you know, you really shouldn't. Be lifting real heavy weights. Just do just do lighter weights and more reps. And tone and tone and, and you get say, toned. Okay, uh, Jeb Reed, What about all right? I'll, I'll that's what I'll do. I'll lift light weights for heavy for higher reps. That's what go. I. Okay, just nod and agree and get the hell out of there. Yeah, I mean, you don't hire him for his training advice. Oh. You hired him for his antibiotic prescription. That's a good point. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so does that mean shake weights are out too? Someone asked on the on the live, Jeb Reed. I think I don't know if I doubt that's shake a serious. Weight. The shake weight you've seen. No, that thing? no, he's uh, is he's he just trolling being us? Funny. Uh, okay. uh, so Jeb just likes this. Like that motion. He's real comfortable with this motion, which could be useful in certain professions. I'm not saying that I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm uncomfortable talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> um, all right, just a real. Real quick, we're almost done here, but you know we want to get get good information out to people. Roger A. Park, we'll finish with this um, as far as the informative part. All squats kill his knees. Any help other than knee sleeves, which only slightly help? What would you say to that guy without obviously looking at his technique or knowing anything about him? That's kind of a hard. Well, it's an easy question. He's squatting incorrectly. Now, what did I show you today? A lot. I showed you. 
hips. Yep. I showed you how to squat with your hips. I showed you how to stay out of your knees when you mm -hmm. squatted. If, if squats are bothering your knees, then you're doing a front squat or a high bar squat. You're squatting with your Which torso upright, and, and you probably have had some knee irritation from time to time in the squat, and that's why. You're squatting incorrectly. Squat, all squats don't kill your knees, Raj. Boom. The squats you've been doing so far kill your knees, and you've been doing them wrong, so you get some help. You, you get go. some coaching, not some knee sleeves. <laughs> so real fast, tell us again, where can, they, where can they get your books and your website? All right, books are available at startingstrength.com and go to the store. There's a store link at the top of the website, along with uh, lots and lots of useful information in the form of articles and videos and a lively discussion board. And amazon.com has also got all of our, all of our books. And uh, uh, there are, we have a few minor distributors, but most of our books are sold through Amazon and our website. All right. There and you go. feel free to join the discussion on the forums, and that's where you can communicate with me. Don't send me an email. Don't ask me a question. Uh, Roger, don't ask me a question on an email because I'm going to type the response, post questions in the forums at startingstrength.com. And uh, that, that that way, I'm typing to everybody, not just you. Nice. Well, because you're time is money, you know. Yeah, you get you get time the same question, so knock them all out exactly. at once. Jeff, exactly. what else? What else do you have here? That, so that's it. I mean, thanks. I mean, a million for coming. Gentlemen, on. I appreciate your having me on today. Absolutely. Any, anything we can do to help, let us know. Now, an absolute pleasure, you know. And we 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 delved in just a little bit on the current state of manliness, you know, in talking about strength. Really, really, this was an excuse to bring Mark on the show and just have him talk about whatever he wanted to talk about because it's, it's fascinating. He's a pretty, pretty humorous guy. Well, we've got lively discussions on all these topics on the board. And uh, anytime you guys want to talk, you call me. Boom. And, uh, and uh, we'll do it again. Enjoy we'll it do. very much. Thank, Thank you guys. very much. Thank you, Pleasure. Sir. Thank, Thank you, everyone, Thank for you, tuning Jeff. in. Thank Keep you. sending in your comments and questions or pop over to Starting Strength forum over there and send them to Mark himself. And until next time, we will see you guys. This has been Josh for Savage Gentleman Podcast. Thanks, you guys.